wait till Vader and wait till Rick Flair see my ultimate surprise. <laughs> I become the man possessed with taking you out of this sport forever. This man, 11 times world champion, is out here in a dress with makeup on, nail polish, a wig and everything. Why? Because of that man right there, Hulk Hogan. He has driven Ric Flair to this. My plan is to put the WCW in a spin and reinstate the nature boy Ric Flair. Hello, my name is Bob Bamber and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. We're going back in the time machine to March of 1995 for Volume 1 of this month's show. Volume 2, which we've done a bit of and we're going to record a bit of in a bit, uh, we'll be looking at the WWF, including the build-up to WrestleMania, which is happening in a few days' time, and also all of your ECW action, which me and Dell take last week, I think. Um, but we're here to discuss uh, WCW in Volume 1, including Uncensored. I'm being joined firstly by Stuart Brooks. Stuart, Hello. Hello, Bob. How are you? I'm good. And Wayne, let's go. Hey, Bob. You all right? I'm doing well. Uh, Stuart, kick us off with the news. Dustin Rhodes, the blacktop bully, and road agent Mike Graham were all fired by WCW this month for breaching company policy over the use of blood. At WCW Uncensored, the pair competed in a King of the Road match on the back of a moving truck, which was taped a few days prior to the show, even though it aired live. Both men bladed at the instruction of Graham, who is even said to have brought the blades along with him. We will have more on this story later in the show. The departures came with the backdrop of significant financial cutbacks within the company who were ordered to cut half a million of dollars off their annual wage bill. On top of the departures of Rhodes, Bullet and Graham, the company have also cut Harley Race, who is currently recovering from a serious car accident, and unsurprisingly, Paul Roma. Roma, who we discussed at length at last month's show, was axed just after days of WCW Super Brawl for going into business for himself against Alex Wright. He did jobs on WCW TV throughout March. WCW hosted Uncensored this month, an extraordinary pay-per-view in more ways than one. Firstly, Ric Flair, who had already been seen earlier in the evening dressed in drag, would play a key role in the main event. It would be Flair, not Hogan's actual opponent Vader, who Hogan dragged to all four corners of the ring to retain his WCW world title. Elsewhere on the show, the Blacktop Bully won a King of the Road match, Johnny B. Bad won the Battle of Boxer vs. Wrestler, and Meng won a martial arts contest with Jim Duggan. Another talking point coming out of the pay-per-view was the debut of the Renegade. Hogan had been building for weeks on television about the ultimate surprise, and it debuted in the form of a knockoff Ultimate Warrior gimmick at this show. Renegade was dressed like Warrior, had uncannily similar music, and even wore face paint. He would be used in the main event as an equaliser for the presence of Flo. While the Hogan feud with Flair would be playing out on television, it was off-screen where things really came to a head this month, with reports of a shouting match between the pair. Flair, who still remains head booker in name, has no control of Hogan's booking nor his schedule. Flair and others were frustrated that Hogan didn't appear for the final set of TV tapings prior to Uncensored. It's seen also that the finish in the main event came down to Flair having no other option, with Hogan refusing to budge for Vader and Vader refusing to budge for Hogan. Going forward, WCW's May pay-per-view looks set to be headlined by Vader and the returning Ric Flair against Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. 
Since uncensored, both Hogan and Savage have requested the in-ring return of Fleur. In June, the currently slated main event is Sting, Randy Savage and the Road Warriors against the new four horsemen with Fleur, Arn Anderson, Vader and Steve Austin. Well, wait a second now. What are they trying to... What are they... Well, I'm getting out of here. I'll see you later. It's all yours. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have just seen the big man Vader in action. And he is accompanied... By the nature boy, Rick Blair, what does this mean right here? Listen to me, Hogan! Vader waits for no man! This is your responsibility! Keep a look, hey, Hogan! Hey. Take a look! That's your responsibility! Vader is the United States heavyweight champion! Vader is, after Super Bowl, the uncrowned heavyweight champion of the world! The whole world saw! Vader, whip your hand in from one corner to the other. And then, when it was all said and done, it was Vader that had you on your back for not a three count, not a ten count, but a twenty count. Me, Jane, you tell the world who the uncrowned heavyweight world champion is. That's Vader, brother. And an uncensored. Uncensored organ. There will be nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. Brother, where are you? We're standing right here. Where's Hogan? Rick Flair. What Hogan has done is he's paid Bachwinkle to take him off the program. You have spared yourself one more week. Hogan and Uncensored. There's no rules. There's no WCW. There's no Bachwinkle, there's no law, there's no order for you, for you, it is the end of Hulk Albania! We begin with WCW Saturday night on the 4th of March. This week's show was curtailed to an hour due to a James Bond movie airing. Colonel Robert Parker debuted Meng as an in-ring performer. Meng laid out jobber Steve Neely with a sub-up kick and won in less than 10 seconds. During a squash match, Lord Stephen Regal apologised for beating up peasants. He strikes his opponent again and says into the camera, I just can't help it. In a post-match promo, Regal says he's looking to enter the tag division but needs a partner. Bobby Eaton approaches him but Regal is less than impressed. In the main event, Vader faced off against the Patriot. Without explanation, Hulk Hogan ran out and attacked Vader with a strap, forcing the DQ. Hogan strangled Vader with a strap, while Jimmy Hart held off Ric Flair. The Nasty Boys and Jim Duggan ran out to pull Hogan off of Vader. The commentator said Hogan had snapped. More ominous still for Hogan, Vader got straight back up. On to the main event on the 5th, we start by seeing the Harlem Heat vs. Stars and Stripes tag title match from WCW Worldwide. Shockingly, the match ended when Sister Sherry sprayed hairspray into Patriot's eyes. They're telling a story that Diamond Dallas Page has fallen on hard times. He's now wearing cheap sunglasses and has lost his jewellery. He's driving up a banged old Cadillac with flames on the side and has pawned his jewellery. He's even seen trying to sell his autograph for $15 at a blood bank. Eric Bischoff alluded to the MMA promotion Ultimate Fighting Championship on commentary, quoting Sting, saying, 
You can refer to Ultimate This and Ultimate That, but WCW is where the real competition is at. Paul Roma started his final month in WCW by eating the pin in a tag match with Paul Rondorf against Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. On to WCW Saturday night on March 11th, Commissioner Nick Buckwinkle opens up announcing that until WCW Uncensored, Hulk Hogan won't be allowed to be on the premises of any WCW TV show. In actuality, Hogan just wouldn't work the tapings, so they had to write him off. He pre-taped promos to air on all of the shows prior to Uncensored. While it probably means nothing, perhaps as a message towards Paul Roma, Randy Savage won a squash match with two top rope elbow drops. Savage still has nothing on Roma in this regard. Hulk Hogan's promised an ultimate surprise at WCW Uncensored. Lord Stephen Regal was again confronted by Bobby Eaton. Eaton challenged Regal to a match, in which Regal told him to bring his grotty wrestling gear next week. Dave Sullivan is in the crowd for this edition of the show. The main event is Das Wunderkind Alex Wright versus Arn Anderson for the WCW TV title. A surprisingly decent match between the pair, which not surprisingly ended by countout. The referee's back was turned and Johnny B. Bad ran out in boxing gloves and laid out Anderson. Wright wins by countout. Vader wins a squash match. He pummels a jobber and drags him over to the interview area. He says the jobber is Hogan's responsibility. On to WCW main event on March 12th and we start by seeing Arn Anderson against Jim Duggan. After the match, Meng ran out and Duggan nailed him over the head with his 2x4. Meng just stood there and no-sold the move. On to WCW Saturday night on the 18th of March, John B. Bad had his boxing trainer Rock Finnegan with him during a promo. Hulk Hogan cuts another promo on Vader during which the ultimate surprise lets out a couple of loud howls off camera. Hogan tells Jimmy Hart to keep him in his cage. Lord Stephen Regal faces Bobby Eaton. Bobby dominates the match and halfway through Regal scarpers to the interview area and claims Eaton would make a wonderful tag team partner. The pair shake hands. Vader wins a squash match. Dave Sullivan, who sat in the crowd, comes to ringside to remonstrate with Vader and Flair about beating up the jobber. For his troubles, Flair attacks Sullivan then Vader hits two Vader bombs. Nick Bockwinkle and, of all people, Bobby Heenan come to Sullivan's aid. Bockwinkle ejects Vader and Flair from the building. Afterwards, Heenan said he didn't get in the ring to help Dave Sullivan. He said he stepped into the ring to stop Flair from going over the edge. In the main event, Dustin Rhodes and John B. Bad defeated Pretty Wonderful. Flair and Vader come out and then interrupt the wrap-up. Bockwinkle comes out and tells Vader to bring his attorney and his checkbook next week. Flair says he doesn't want to stay in WCW, but Flair says tomorrow is unsanctioned. Anything can happen. Recently, our colleague, Eric Bischoff, had an opportunity to talk to DDP. <laughs> Diamond Sorry. Dallas, Expo- to you. Yeah, Diamond Dallas. Expose Let's take what? a look at Up Close and Personal with Diamond Dallas. The last couple of years is a guy that's just rolling in bucks. <laughs> By the way, can I take a look at those glasses? Real quick. My oak, please. Yeah, just real quick. Two hundred eighty-seven bucks. Don't yeah, be smudging the lens. I know, I know, I know, I know. I just, I was just curious. Yeah, what I thought. Two hundred eighty-seven dollars a case, perhaps. These are phonies. They are not phony. Three-dollar bill. Did he, did he change phony. The These aren't the glasses I just gave you. And by the way, where's uh jewelry? All the diamond stuff that you guys are um, wearing around. Where is uh, it? All? We got stolen. So oh, I just we had put a robbery. It in... Yeah, exactly. A robbery. Were you there? Well, 
Well, no, but, but Dallas told me that we were robbed. We okay. got robbed. You got nothing. What we got is videotape. Last couple of days, following you around, you've heard of Candid Camera, right? WCW has its own version. In fact, let's quit talking about it. Let's roll the tape. I'd like you to respond to a couple of the things that we saw over the last... This is only over the last three or four days. Is that you, Diamond Dallas? Is that the Mercedes? Of it's me. Okay. That, that's my car. Nice Mercedes. Yep. What about the car next to it? The one you're getting in. Uh, the one you're starting up. And the one you're driving off in. That's right. That's right. Let, 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 let me uh, regurgitate this for a second here. Uh, regurgitate it? Whatever. That, that was the loaner. The guy who works on my car, he uh, he loaned me that car. Yeah. And my Benz is in the shop. Isn't that right, Max? See? See? I, nice set of wheels there. We were just out joyriding. You know, hey, I mean, it's a fun thing to drive around, you know. Uh, Who did the paint job? Uh, I don't know. It's on my car. Registered your name. But what about this? This is a pawn shop outside of the city limits. And I don't know. That oh, kind of looks like you. And that that looks kind of looks like you. Like me. And it kind of looked like the necklace you used to wear. That, that look at the guy. That long brown hair looks nothing like me. Actually, you were there. What? Anything Max, to say? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know anything about this. Yeah, no. Max uh, obviously liked what he saw. Anyway. Well, who wouldn't? Uh, he's a he's a man now. But uh, so this wasn't well, you. This wasn't it, Diamond Dallas. That wasn't that wasn't Max either. It's a guy who looks like Max. Tattoos. Hat and no wig. And, of course, your car. Notice that you're parked at a handicapped spot. Oh my God, By the way, we man. checked with the Department of Motor Vehicles, and the ticket you got for parking in that spot is under your name. Not that that probably I means did, anything. I did not. I did not. I don't know. This is an optical illusion no, here. No, this is a blood this bank. This is trick photography. No, this is a blood bank. Oh, and this is Diamond Dallas. Now, this is where most people go out of the kindness of their heart to donate blood. Others go for money. Sign, sign the book. Everybody wants Diamond D's autograph. Diamond D. For money. An imposter, I assume. Got to be. No, that's how anyone ever gets. For my blood? For this blood? You're getting free cookies. Free cookies. Love chocolate. Love chocolate. I don't know. Is that your blood bank? Diamond Dallas? Come on, monkey boy. I hope you enjoyed the cookies. This is bull. This is not. This is not me. This is you. This is not me. I'm out of here. Get out of my way, monkey boy. Monkey Boy, Diamond Dallas Page, the Diamond Doll, Max Muscle, without their jewelry. Are they what they appear to be? As Diamond Dallas Page would say, I don't think so. And thank you to Colin for that. We come back in not uh, for WCW and Center, at least not yet anyway. First, you're going to start with looking at um, really the, the Flair and Vader build to this pay-per-view. Um, as, as we touched on in, in the news and as we're going to touch on later on the show, Hulk Hogan, for, for, for reasons, wasn't involved in either of the last two weeks of tapings. Uh, he was present on the show through the form of video packages, but he wasn't actually at the studio taping any of the uh, in-ring action or any of the storylines. Um, so much of the build for the Hogan uh, and Vader match centred around Vader and particularly Ric Flair, um, Flair basically going insane, uh, and Vader, well, just being Vader. Um, Stuart, what, what do you think of these programs and, and, and these kind of, the, the build to this? I mean, I, I think if they're keeping Ric Flair out of a wrestling role, it's absolutely a fine use of him, especially with the departure of Harley Race, moving Flair into that role. I mean, we all know he's going to end up back in the ring eventually anyway, but 
to use him in that way for now is it, it, perfectly fine and he's good at it. Why? Yeah, no, totally agree. I mean, um, obviously what, what Stuart touched on there, one of the things I wanted to raise was um, would Fleur actually be involved in this at all if uh, Harley Race wouldn't have been involved in that crash? Um, it's interesting. I mean, we, we come back to um, the Clash of the Champions in January and, and and they advertise Flair with a view to doing something at the Clash of the Champions, and then he turned up, appeared on screen, and then did absolutely nothing. Um, the theory being, and it, it does make sense with what's followed, was that Flair would have had some interaction with Harley Race, and obviously Harley Race wasn't there. Um, so, yeah, I, I, the answer in short is I don't know, but I, I, I get the sense we can infer that I think Flair would have been involved anyway but I get the sense he would have been involved in Harley Race and perhaps it would have been a case of Race would have been paired with somebody else I don't get the sense that would have been a programme um, but sure what, what do you think of this side of Flair because he, he left in because sure, I remember you were on the show with me in, in September and we did the, the, yeah. the full ball thing and we had all that with, with Flair kind of, I think it was outside the Mirage Hotel in Las Vegas talking to me and Gene Oakland like, you know, the star Ric Flair is and, and, you know, having the phone call with Hogan and, you know, you know, just swanning up with a load of women and carrying Hogan's WCW title belt. And then we've got Flair, the guy who on television was going nuts to the stage where Bobby Heenan had to come out and save Flair from himself um, and then obviously we've got what's going to come with Flair at Uncensored when we get to it. What do you think of this kind of new side of Flair, this more mad side? Yeah, like I say, he plays it very well so it, it's not something I'm against per se. He He's convincing in the role it, it, it's all I can put it down to is he comes across as mad and I guess in kayfabe he has a reason for it. Hogan's retired him. It it, it, it follows a logical track. I like it. Why would you think of Vader in all this? Um, I'm going. I'm going to level with you. I'm I'm not so sure about the the Fleur and the Vader um, partnership. Um, I, I I think they're just better off separate. Uh, in all honesty, but Vader as a whole, in the um, obviously running up to the to the pay per view, does his job really well. Um, obviously beating on the uh, jobbers uh, per se, and uh, just leaving up for uh, for Hogan was, uh, was 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 done well. Yeah. Oh gosh. I, I do think Vader does need someone to talk for him. He is good in his role, but it's not a role that's conducive to cutting long promos. He can cut scary lines at the end of promo so he does need a Harley race or a Bobby Heenan or what they're moving Ric Flair into that role to do that for him I, yeah no it's it, it's interesting I mean there, there were talks this month about and we did we did mention it in the news uh, in the news that I, I, I don't know whether I get the feeling this situation is quite fluid but they are talking about a, a four horseman potentially with Flair Iron Anderson um, well, the, the, the theory goes that it would have been Flair Anderson, Steve Austin and Dustin Rhodes. Now we, we, we know what happened to Dustin Rhodes. Vader was the other guy named with that. I don't think Vader in, in a horseman type role would have worked. I mean, we, we know from the Clash of the Champions he looks great in a suit. I can, I can vouch <laughs> for that. Um, but I don't know whether Vader being, you know, cause what, what's, what, what do Vader and Anderson do differently in that kind of group? I'm not so sure. Um, what, does, what does Vader have in common to make him, in, in, in the way the classic horsemen looks like they belong together, how how would Vader look like he belonged in that group? I don't know as if he would. No. no he's, he's better off on his own. 
Um, and, that, and that's why I was on about the partnership with Fleur is, uh, you know, Fleur has got that kind of uh, shine around him and uh, taking a lot of focus off, off Vader, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I get the sense it's more a pairing of necessity than it was a case of we think these two guys are going to be great together. I think it was more, we've got Vader, we need to get Flair back into, well, not a programme with Hogan, I don't think they're going that way, but we need to get Flair back into a program that can ultimately lead to his return to the ring, and and the pairing made sense with that regard. But I agree, it's <clears throat> it's not the perfect pairing, but it I think it's been great what they've done this month. I mean, I think Bobby Heenan running out from his commentary position to save Flair from himself was was a, was a genuine highlight. Um, and the other guy, I think I've got to give a lot of credit to uh, is Nick Bockwinkel's role in all this. I'm not quite sure how much of the Bockwinkel stuff you guys would have seen, um, but Bockwinkel this month has been fantastic. I think he's been great ever since he took over the role around about a year ago, in the sense that while he is a commissioner, he's not a babyface commissioner, he's not a bad guy commissioner, he's a guy who just rules with fairness. We, we got to the show in December, Vader came in, stormed Hogan's victory party after beating Butcher, and Bockwinkel said, yeah, it was well, he didn't say it like this, but he said, yeah, he's acting like a bit of a dick, but he does have a very legitimate case of being number one contender, so I'm going to give him the spot. And then we get here, and Bockwinkle's basically said, no, this isn't working. And, and, and him and Flair, and Bockwinkle said, yeah, we're not sanctioning what's going to happen on Sunday, uncensored, and all that. Um, he's been good, but I thought the bill, I thought they did very well creating a very compelling bill without Hogan in those final couple of weeks, because Hogan's bill was more a case of, I've got this ultimate surprise and we'll discuss renegade after we re- review uncensored and then we had this stuff in studio that was really good i i think um and well we'll we'll come to uncensored in a second but i yeah i i think up until this point they did really well as for what happened at uncensored we're gonna cover that in a minute you know something hulkamaniacs vader and flair have really crossed the line this time brothers you know it's not enough that they massacred brother dave on national tv out here but just a few minutes ago i get the word from my hulkamaniacs in the dressing room that jimmy hart was running for his life with vader trying to rip his jacket off him i pray to god that jimmy's still running because i need him now more than ever but right now i'm standing on the dark side brothers with the most powerful man I've ever met in my life. You know, this is not the ultimate warrior, Ric Flair. This is not a surprise that I just conjured up out of nowhere, brother. This is the ultimate swerve for you, Mr. Flair and Vader, and for all my Hulkamaniacs. You know, there's a hundred guys like this on the dark side, all with powers way beyond any human being. But this man with me tonight is the most powerful one of all, brother. You know, I'm going to be strapped to Vader with a 12-foot strap. The largest arm in the world is so mad, I'm going to tear Vader limb from limb. But just to cover all bases, brother, I was turning over every rock. I was looking through every nook and every cranny. And then I found a million bodies laying. And this man behind me was standing at the top of the heap. The man behind me is called the Renegade, brother. He's the biggest, most powerful man I've ever found in my life. And from now on, brothers, starting tonight at Uncensored, this big brother behind me is going to be watching my back. He's going to make sure that nobody gets in Hulk Hogan's way when I take care of all the family business, brother. You know something, the time is winding down. You're going to see him as plain as day only when I want you to see him. 
But all I got to say is if you make a wrong move, if you look in the wrong direction, my man, the renegade, is going to wipe you out, brother. And once I get Vader strapped to my wrist, once I drag him around the block a million times, once he drops his knees and says, please, Mr. Hogan, don't hurt me anymore, only then will I tell the brother behind me, the renegade, not to make a move. Because if you make a mistake, if you cheap shot me flare, or if Vader gets out of line and uncensored, I'm going to unleash the power of the dark side on you. The renegade is going to take up the slack for all the Hulkamaniacs. So what are you going to do, brother, when the largest arms in the world and the renegade are strapped to you, brother? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And we start our review of WCW Uncensored with, well, WCW main event, which had the hour prior to the show. Hulk Hogan opens up WCW main event, getting a very big reception. He says Jimmy Hart still has the ultimate surprise in the cage, and that this is the most important match in Hogan's career. That's from the kid. Alex Wright defeats Mark Starr. There are a video package showcasing Meng, in particular some very impressive martial arts training. We're then showing Richard Petty's 43 Hulk Hogan NASCAR. It's red and yellow in colour. They also show a video clip inside of the King of the Road truck truck it's open filled with plenty of hay and to win the match you must climb to the air horn at the front of the truck and sound it steve austin returns with long longer blonde hair and defeats tim horner hulk hogan is back he says that jimmy hart was running for his life away from vader hogan says he's with the most powerful man he's ever met in his life he says it's not the ultimate warrior it's the ultimate swerve it's the renegade and ho in the background there's a lot of smoke and you can barely see the renegade but i thought it was quite good they they kind of just about unveiled him but didn't showcase him in full uh we get another shot from the king of the road match dustin and bully are both been loaded into the truck and sit in separated caged off areas bischoff says they have to go beyond city limits before they're allowed to fight the main event of main event it's dirty dick slater and bunkhouse buck against stars and stripes out comes vader he's carrying jimmy hart's coat he grabs the mic and says that hogan can run but he cannot hide vader says tonight hogan will pay for his stupidity Bagwell picks up the win. And then we move on to WCW Uncensored. Stuart, the results. RS follows. The Blacktop Bully defeated Dustin Rhodes in a King of the Road match. Meng with Colonel Robert Parker defeated Jim Duggan in a martial arts match. Johnny V. Bad defeated Arn Anderson in a boxer versus wrestler match. Randy Savage defeated the Avalanche by disqualification. Big Bubba Rogers defeated Sting. The Nasty Boys defeated Harlem Heat in a Falls Count Anywhere Texas Tornado tag team match where Harlem Heat's tag team championships were not on the line. And Hulk Hogan, along with the Renegade, defeated Big Van Vader with Ric Flair in a leather strap match. Wayne, what do you think of this? Um, The overall pay-per-view? Yes. Right, OK. Well, uh, <laughs> it was it wasn't good. Um, I, th- I think the concept of the pay-per-view was, has definitely got potential. Um, obviously, with the uh, no DQs and uh, anything goes uncensored type. Um, but this, I know obviously it was the first one, but it, it just didn't work at all for me. Stuart? Yeah, this was not a good show. There was so much nonsensical stuff on it that it was hard to really enjoy anything. Th- th- there were just so many negatives to this show. Yeah, we'll we'll come to we'll come to it as we go through the show. I mean, I, as a wrestling show, this was horrendous in in terms of there was hardly any of it. it it's by no means the worst WCW show I've I, I've watched since starting this this uh, this project. Um, 
but as as a wrestling show, there were two wrestling matches on this, and then just a farce everywhere else. Um, but that being said, while the show was bad, I didn't hate it, and it was very watchable for uh, for as bad as it was, and for as for as often how the action was either just not wrestling related or not very good. It, it, the time went by quite quickly, and I haven't always been able to say that about WCW pay per views. Um, but we will. We will certainly address each one of those in turn. Anyway, we start with Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heaton being joined by Mike Tanay at ringside. Tanay's filling in for me and Gene Oakland. Tanay says the first minute of the hotline will be absolutely free. And with that, we join the King of the Road match in action. Obviously, this isn't why they take this a few days beforehand. Dustin is trying to reach for the horn at the front of the truck. Bully stumbles around but manages to get a low blow in on him. For reasons unknown, Dustin Rose is wearing a sea blue bandana. Just to set the scene for you here, basically they've got... The truck, which is kind of like a, a flatbed type, uh, 18 wheeler truck. Um, the inside is kind of like gutted out and then they've got kind of wiring so you can see inside from outside to stop the wrestlers falling out. There's hay everywhere, presumably it's to allow them to take some bumps. Uh, we've got cameras kind of fixed on the truck. We've also got a cameraman in the cabin itself. We've then got a chase car with camera on the side and we've also got a helicopter. So there's a number of different angles you can see this from. Uh, to be honest, this is the kind of match I think you're going to have to watch. Um, anyway, Dustin grabs a fence post and drives it into Bully's gut, knocking Bully to the truck floor, which is covered in hay. Dustin hits a pile driver, then lays out Bully with a bale of hay. Bully grabs a rope that's hanging along one side and chokes Dustin with it. Dustin hits a belly-to-back suplex. Bully makes some ground but ends up flying onto his back as the truck slows. It seems like Bully is bleeding at this stage. Dustin attempts to body slam but falls off balance. Briefly, a piece of wood and some hay fall from the back. Heenan asks if that was Dustin's leg. Dustin nails Bully with a trough. With that, the truck pulls up at a stop sign. Apparently, they're waiting for a church bus. The action continues as Dustin crotches Bully on the ledge. Bully is quite close to falling off the truck. Bully knocks Dustin to the floor and reaches for the horn but Dustin manages to knock him down. Bully goes for a clothesline, but Dustin uh, ducks, and Bully gets flipped over a crossbeam in the middle of the truck. Bully then nails Dustin with a vat of water. Both men get close to the horn. Bully knocks Dustin off and hits the horn for the win. Wayne, what did you think? Well, that was different. Um, (laughs) It was was just one of them where... uh... I just couldn't get around my head what was what was going on altogether. Um, you had bales of hair, you, you had a truck, um, uh, obviously the truck going down the road, you had the police car behind it. Um, it was very picturesque. I did like the scenery, and, uh, and obviously there was a part <laughs> when the uh, um, we, we was having uh, sunset, and that was quite beautiful, but the, the match wasn't. I've I got a feeling the next WCW pay-per-view should just open with 20 minutes of scenic helicopter shots. That that might be an improvement on what we got. Um, still, this this match, allegedly, and, and, and we'll come to this later when we talk about the reasons why these two will ultimately end up getting fired because of it. This match, allegedly, when it, when it ran in front of the guys who were filming it, was apparently very good. Um, now, it should be clarified that what we saw was a... 13-minute edit of a 20-minute match that had a lot of, references is the wrong word, but a lot of sightings of blood that they tried to avoid in the best way they could. So we're, we're not reviewing the full match, Stuart, but I'm I'm finding it hard to imagine that the full match was all that much better than what we got. Yeah, I don't see how it could be. They're obviously hampered by the fact they're on the back of a moving vehicle and how the physics of trying to move within that affects that. It, it was it was unwatchable in the 
it was hard to get a sense of anything that was going on, like you say, due to heavy editing and, and due to them just not trying to show the blood, which as the opening bout on a show called Uncensored, it is, is about as odd as you could get. Heavily Censored 95 might be a more appropriate name. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you, you're right. It's called unsanctioned. You know, we ha- we're having nothing to do with this, but no, we can't show any blood. Um, I, I don't even think it's fair to kind of discuss this as a wrestling match because it really wasn't. Like there was about three wrestling moves, and you know, the, the the ones they hit were quite good. I'll give them that. But it was it was like a game show almost. It was yeah. like there such a kind of thing sca- you see on a reality show. Yeah, and there were some absolutely scary bits where the bully was climbing over the side of the truck to try and reach the horn, and it must be going 30, 40 miles an hour. If that goes wrong, that man is dead. Yeah, because the, the, the chase car was alongside. If he'd have fell from that, he'd have got under that car. Yeah. Was, was, uh, he, was, was he not climbing the cage as well when the truck turned the corner? And I was like... Yes, he was, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, just all very weird. I mean, I... You know, I, I don't mind wacky ideas like this. Like, you know, almost to a point, fair play for coming up with something ridiculous and thinking it would work, and, and fair play for both of them for going along with it. Um, but it didn't work. I, I, and, and who knows, maybe, maybe the 20-minute edit that we're never going to see was actually kind of fit. Because that was the thing. It's, a, it's very... The, the review you got was very kind of bits and pieces. That's because what we saw was very bits and pieces, and maybe there was a bit more of a story. But I find it hard to believe the match they put together was much more coherent than what we seen, what we saw even with the, the, the seven minutes that we missed um, did, but yeah, did you it, spot it was perhaps edited out of order in that sunset happened about halfway into the match yet there was sunlight after it I didn't spot that, that is a good bit of yeah, I didn't see that no that's a good yeah. spot that um, but yeah uh, yeah. again it's just like there, there were three wrestling moves in this match and that's probably the best way I can sum it up, it wasn't really a wrestling match it was just a it was a, a a bit of fun and games on the back of a moving truck that could have killed Blacktop Bully. That's that's the yeah. long and short of it. Um, we move on. Mike Tanay is backstage and we have Meng in some fantastic oriental gear. And we jump to the martial arts match Meng with Colonel Parker versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Duggan has decided that he's going to come out dressed in jeans, a ripped neck, sleeveless tee and a headband. Quite what this is martial arts related, I have no idea. Uh, but he does have a white painted 2 by 4 uh, we also have a Japanese referee in this match. Uh, Doug- Duggan has trouble understanding him and he refuses to bow to anybody. I've got in my notes, this is by far the most entertaining Duggan has ever been in WCW or possibly ever. Um, Duggan goes one bow to May and then kicks him square in the head. Despite it being a martial arts match, it seems like pinfalls will decide this one. Uh, Duggan takes off his heel boot and nails Meng with it. Meng knocks in a nerve hold. Nerve hold. Meng hits some chops in the corner. Meng knocks in, locks in another nerve holes on Duggan's shoulder and then headbutts him. Despite Shivoni earlier claimed that this uncensored concept would mean that referee counts in the corners and by the ropes wouldn't count, the referee then did a five count when Meng was choking Duggan with his foot. Meng misses during standing elbow drops. Duggan does a ten punch, then goes into it with the ref. Duggan hits a three-point stance clothesline, but Meng jumps straight back up. Duggan nails Parker on the apron, but Meng profits from the distraction, hits a savat kick and wins the match. Stuart... I hate Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Did, did, did you like him before this match? Because I no, thought he no. was quite funny. No, and and I, I thought he was needlessly rude to the referee. The referee was not set up as any kind of face or any kind of heel. He was merely meant to be a martial arts referee, presumably. 
Duggan was a dick to him for no reason in terms of refusing to bow and all that kind of stuff. I just that that didn't sat well with me. And 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 I really like what they've done with Meng over the last couple of months since taking him from that bodyguard role into the wrestler role. So it, this was a difficult one to like. Yeah, um, I, I like how Meng was dressed backstage with Mike Tanay. A bit of his back turned for most of that, but. Equally, I kind of think men look better with the short hair or, well, the, the tied back hair, um, with the suit and the sunglasses than he did here. I thought he looked a bit too cartoonish here. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I definitely liked him as the badass bodyguard with the sunglasses, but I guess the gimmick's morphing into wild man and, and long hair and face paint says wild man. That's true. Well, Wayne, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's funny that you should actually reference that before, Bob, about uh, it's the funniest you've ever seen, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, because uh, I, I, when I realised what the match was going to be, um, I, I thought the only way this is going to work, considering that you've got Meng, who's an absolute killer, is having Hacksaw in this uh, comedic role. Um, and then, um, obviously, when he was coming in, and like you said, he had his, his jeans and everything like that, um, when he was going through the uh, the referee part, when obviously when he was being rude, all I was thinking about is, will you just wipe the floor over him now, Meng, please, get it over with. Um, I think this would have been great had Meng had just laid him out with a savat kick the first time and won the match. I wouldn't oh, have done yeah, anything absolutely. else. Yeah, totally yeah, that, yeah, completely. And I, I don't, like, Duggan's, Duggan's, you know, Duggan's not going to lose anything. You know, lol. He'll come out on Saturday night the following week because if nothing's ever happened, they'll have ended the feud and he'll have moved on. I don't think Duggan would have lost anything here if he had just been laid out by Meng and taken the pinfall. And what followed to it wasn't, was pretty awful. Yeah, because Jim Duggan is not a martial artist. No. S- simple it, it, as that, I think. And yeah, it, it, it just didn't work, Wayne. No, I don't totally agree. As I said, uh, Axel Jim Duggan and, and martial arts is uh, one one thing I never would have heard, didn't thought I would have heard in a sentence before. Um, going to the um, to, to the finish, I don't think we needed that kind of finish at the end. When when Hug, um, Duggan did the uh, three point stance clothesline and Men gets up, that's when he should have done the kick, and that's when the match should have ended. Yeah. Yeah, they just made mistakes here. I mean, I don't know why Duggan needed a distraction from Parker to enable Meng to win the match. I don't know why Duggan needs to be protected in that way. Um, yeah, that they missed here, and and it, like it was never going to be any good anyway. But I think had the match ended after the first Savat kick, we'd have gone, you know what? Quite funny at the start, very quick, did this job fine. But as it was, Dave Meltzer I think gave this minus two stars, and I can't really blame him. Uh, it was bad. Um, speaking of bad, Mike Tonight is backstage with John Bad in his boxing gear and his trainer, Rock Finnegan. Video package airs for Arn Anderson. He's got a new big car. He says if he wants to break somebody's neck to retain his title, then that's what he'll do. Next up, boxer versus wrestler. Arn Anderson, the wrestler with Colonel Robert Parker, versus John Bad, the boxer with trainer Rock Finnegan. Apparently there are 10 three-minute mounds scheduled for this one. In my notes, I put God help us if it goes the full distance. Uh, you can win by pinfall or submission, as in wrestling, or a 10 count, as in boxing. And Jeremy Ban is donning the gloves. Round one, Anderson jumps in and gets clipped by a left jab. He then goes for a grab, but takes another left hand. Ban gets Anderson in the corner, unloads a few body shots that send Anderson through the ropes to the outside. After another flurry, Ban gets Anderson in the corner and takes control. Round one ends. Bad knocks Anderson on his ass in the corner. That's the end of round one. And Parker tells Anderson could go for Bad's legs. 
Round two. Bad nails Anderson with another flurry of kicks and knocks him down. Anderson answers a boxing standard 10 count. Bad knocks Anderson down again. Then again. Then again. I'm pretty sure a boxing referee would have called the boxing match like this. Although, as Heenan points out, it's uncensored. Uh, Bad pummels Anderson until the bell. But Anderson nails Bad with a DDT during the rest period. End of round two. Anderson goes after Bad during the rest period. Anderson shouts, it's no disqualification. And, well, well, he's right. Uh, then to round three. Anderson dumps Bad over the top rope as round three begins. Anderson finally has some control, working Bad by the ropes. Anderson whips Bad into the corner and Parker holds out a stall that breaks apart. Anderson hits the spine buster, but Finnegan climbs into the ring and jumps on Anderson's back. Bad rallies with a flurry of body punches, but Anderson dumps him on the outside again. The end of round three, Anderson throws Bad into Finnegan. Finnegan cuts Bad's left glove so he can take it off. And as round four begins, Finnegan puts the bucket on Anderson's head. Bad hits a left hand that knocks Anderson's sparko. The crowd pop quite big for that. Bad hits another punch with the left hand. Anderson goes down and cannot answer the ten count. Wayne, what do you think of this? Um, well, it had two of my pet hits. Um, number one, I'm not a fan of when boxing's involved in any type of wrestling match. And number two, it had Johnny B. Bad. Um, I think I mentioned the last time I was on the podcast, I'm, I'm not a fan of Johnny B. Bad. And, and uh, as the months have passed, I, my, my, my tune hasn't changed one bit. Um, the reason I don't like it when boxing's involved is if you watch those first two rounds, and this match is a perfect example, is... Johnny B. Bad's got a, a boxing background, as uh, as you can sense. Um, how he's not knocked out, and Anderson, during those first two rounds, is, is beyond me. Sure. When you watch the first two matches of this show and you think, surely nothing after those could make less sense, they then throw you this curveball and it makes even less sense. How can you conduct a match where both people or participants have different ways of winning. One of them's wearing boxing gloves. One of them isn't. Did Johnny B. Bad have to abide by the round system, but Arn Anderson didn't? Because Arn Anderson seemed to be attacking between the rounds, yet nothing was done about it. But it's uncensored, Stuart. That's not, well, I don't know. That, that, that was the heat of line, anyway. But, but, but then there's rules, because... Johnny B. Bad is adhering to one set and Arn Anderson's adhering to another. It, it, it just oh, made so little sense. I, I am going to go out on a limb. I like this. Um, yeah. Uh, as, a, as, a, as a match that was advertised as a boxer versus wrestler match, I thought this was pretty bloody good. It didn't always make sense. Should the referee have called the match at the, in the middle of round two? Yes, but as Bobby Heenan pointed out, it's uncensored. Um Johnny Bad looks fantastic. Like, I don't, how did he not make it in boxing? Like, I thought that was really good. In the sense that they had the martial arts thing with Meng, and I don't think Meng has got a genuine martial arts background, so they couldn't do a lot with that, like takedown-wise or anything like that. But Johnny Bad looks as convincing a boxer in a, in a wrestling-type format that I've ever seen. And some of those body shots, like, obviously he wasn't laying them in, because if he was, Anderson wouldn't have got back up. But those were snug, and, and those were very convincing. And we got, as I say, like, I, I quite liked it. I, I thought, you know, it didn't go on too long. They told a nice story. It didn't, all right, yeah. You both make very valid points, which I don't really have a particularly good answer to either one of them, um, or, or any of them. But I quite enjoyed it, certainly compared to the first few matches and what we're going to get next, Wayne. I thought this was quite good. Well, I think that probably says more about the last two matches than this one. <laughs> well, maybe. Although I do, I, I, Wayne, what's your problem? What's your beef with Johnny B. Bad? Uh, I'm just not sold on him at all. Um, I, he just doesn't, 
he just doesn't do anything for me in, in a sense that, uh, where I can get behind him. Uh, I think he's cheesy, corny. And, uh, and to reference what you said before, I, uh, I wish he would have made it as a boxer because I watch far less boxing than I do wrestling. Well, there we go. Anyway, we move on. Randy, Randy Savage is backstage with Mike Tanay. He says it's no more Mr. Nice Guy, and it's Randy Savage versus Avalanche. Savage starts by trying to take down Avalanche, the classic knock-the-big-guy-off-his-feet spot. Avalanche gets in his face, Savage slaps him, and then gets a big pop from the crowd. Savage knocks down Avalanche to the floor and then drops from the turnbuckle. Savage goes for a body slam, but claps under the weight, and Avalanche nearly gets a three count. Latch drops a leg and gets a two. Latch hits a drop kick, believe it or not, then goes for a pin. Apparently, despite this being uncensored and there being no rules, the ropes are enough to break up the pin. He's in total control. Savage rallies and climbs to the top rope, taking down Latch, but he clicks out emphatically at one. Savage goes for a sunset flip, but Latch sits out on it. Latch goes for the avalanche drop, but Savage crawls out the way. Latch goes for a second rope splash, but Savage got out the way. Savage unloaded on Latch on the outside, then a female ran out and attacked Savage. It became clear very quickly that the female in question was Ric Flair. Avalanche hits the avalanche drop, but outruns Hulk Hogan to run the pair off. Savage was awarded the match as disqualification on a show called Uncensored with no rules. Stuart? Yeah, see, I thought this had the potential to be quite good, as as I think Randy Savage still, contrary to what Vince McMahon thinks, has a lot to offer in the ring, and Avalanche has always been one of my favourite sort of big men workers. Yes, admittedly, he's working a complete rip-off of his WWF gimmick, but as someone of his size who can do a dropkick, that, that, you know, that's exciting to watch. But, yes, why exactly did Ric Flair have to dress up as a woman? I... <sighs> Yeah, I'm guessing he lost a bet. That's the only logical, <laughs> that's my only logical answer because he could have run out. Like, you know, he, he could have been in a male disguise in the crowd. Exactly. This, this is uncensored. So there's no rules. I mean, I know, yes, there was a disqualification finish, but technically there's no rules. So why does he have to hide who he is? And as further point to that, Ric Flair is the booker. He booked himself to dress up as a woman. Maybe he liked it. That is the only logical explanation I can that's, think of. That's, that's the bottom line, Wayne. Um, why was it a DQ finish? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I've got yeah. no idea. <laughs> I just couldn't get it around my head at all. But uh, I think, um, yeah, the, my, uh, the, the part I liked the most uh, about this match was uh, uh, Ric Flair in, uh, in a nice perm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's that an image. Best. That's an image that's never going to go away. The, um, the best part was Flair had that makeup on the entire rest of the evening. Yeah, yeah. He, he took some of it off, but there was very, very definitely eyeliner and nail polish in the main oh, event. Yes. How um, bizarre! But why did he need to do his nails? Like nobody, <laughs> nobody's looking that closely. Was he, was like, he was coming in late from a night out? Oh, maybe. Maybe. I dread to think how far he went with this costume. That's what oh, I'm saying. Let's let's not go any further. Um, <laughs> the, the match, like the match itself, wasn't bad. Oh like, no, absolutely. It, I mean, the, before the, before the interruption, I mean, look, it's it, it's as good as a Randy Savage Avalanche type match is going to get. You know, you have to put the ceiling on Avalanche matches. They're never going to be more than three stars. Not to say this was, but that's that's the kind of level you're going to get. But this was your classic Randy Savage Avalanche type contest. It was quite good. And before we ever really got a chance to get anywhere close to an ending, Flair comes out. The storyline bit made sense, and and it will tie itself up towards the end. But you know, Hogan came out, and the idea was Flair was trying to 
get to Hogan's friends. That was the idea. Um, but yeah, so like the, the bit with the non-finish makes sense, even though the non-finish was on a show where there shouldn't have been theory been any non-finishes. Uh, the interference of Flair makes sense. Why he had dressed as a woman, only he will know. Uh, anyway. Because you would figure like that would have been like the, the losing half of a negotiation that involved Hogan losing in the main event, but apparently not. No. Uh, anyway, Mike Tenay interviews Harlem Heat and then Sting backstage. We then get an anything goes match. Well, apparently uh, it's Sting against Big Bubba. Uh, Bubba gets his hands near Sting's face, and so Sting bites it. Sting puts Bubba's hat on his uh, hat on his and hits a dropkick. Bubba then retreats to the outside, and Sting uh, then drops his hat. Bubba goes to crotch Sting in the ring post. Uh, but Sting kicks him in the face. They go for a leapfrog move, but Sting seems to catch his groin on Bubba's shoulder. Sting then starts clutching his knee, and Bubba goes to work on it, and that's basically the story of the rest of the match. Uh, Sting rallies, and Bubba keeps attacking his knee. Bubba sets for a pile drive, but Sting hits a bad dolly drop and winces in pain. Bubba locks in a leg lock, and Sting cannot break free. Bubba goes to the top rope, but slips off. Sting goes to the top and strikes Bubba with a forearm. He then questions Sting for doing all these moves on his bad knee. Sting then hits a body slam. Sting goes for a sleeper and which whips the crowd up. Bubba uses his tie as a jawbreaker. Not for the first time in the show. Heenan says, it's uncensored. Sting hits a German suplex, then a big splash on the top rope, but Bubba kicks out. Sting goes for a body slam, claps under the weight, and Big Bubba picks up the clean win. Stuart, I did not see that coming. No, absolutely not. I thought this was about the best thing on the show, but I would still only kind of describe it as passable. But yeah, clean. Clean over Sting. Is that a reflection over where he now sits in relation to Hogan and Savage, or do they have really big plans for Big Bubba? Um, just trying to think who they've got on the heel side. I mean, I guess they've got Flair at the moment. He's out of action. They've got Vader. Um, well, yeah, beyond that, I mean, he's he's kind of number three, maybe number four with Avalanche. Yeah, um, is he the next one to go at Hogan? Is that the reason he's got a clean pin over Sting? You'd hope so. I, but I, I, I do agree it might just be a case of, yeah, we don't need Sting anymore. Um, mm. I mean, I'd say it wasn't like, it wasn't a dirt clean victory in the sense that it's not like Bubba laid him out with his finisher. It was just, it was the story that Sting, you know, was working, had a bad knee all match and then just couldn't get up under Bubba's weight. So it wasn't like that clean, but it was clean by WCW standards. It was a clean pin. Um, Wayne, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, running through the match, all I was thinking about is so many times I've seen this style of match before, and then and then the finish, I was just like, well, you saw it about fifteen minutes earlier. <laughs> well, yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, and then the finish absolutely, yeah, absolutely shocked me. Um, it was a couple of botches in the match. I mean, I don't know whether that was uh, intentional on uh, uh, when Bossman went up to uh, to the top. Um, but the other thing as well is that I, I can see that they probably would have done the uh, the sting knee job um, throughout the match, but it seemed a bit, when he did the leapfrog, that just seemed a bit botched, and it was like they just changed it a little bit and just decided to run with it that way. I've got a feeling he was trying, I've got a feeling he was going to do the knee on the landing, and then he got his groin caught in, uh, like, trying to do the leapfrog, and so he kind of injured that or supposedly but I've got a feeling the leapfrog might have meant to have been clean and then he was going to do his knee on the way down that would have made more sense than what happened but I'll I'll forgive them that that bit was alright I don't think that was a big issue shit what do you you think of the match itself yeah like I say it, it was it was probably the best thing on the show and yeah relatively well worked I think Sting is probably the best babyface still in North America in terms of comparing 
his reaction to the crowd to what type of match he can deliver. So generally his matches are, are, are really quite easy to watch and, and Bub, Bubba's not terrible. So yeah, it was okay. Yeah, and, and Steam through Vader and through Avalanche has been working this match for the last year anyway. Um, just the, the, the match against the bigger, fatter heavyweight. You know, that's, that's basically what all he's been doing. Um, and, and he's very good at it. Um, and you say Bubba's fine. It'll be, be interesting to see what they do with him. Um, whether they follow up on it. If given, as I said, on, on another, in another company with an, you know, with another card, I don't think Bubba beating Sting would have been, quite a significant cleanie, but given WCW through any means necessary, we'll usually find a way of getting a screwy finish unless there's absolutely need not to. The fact they did tells me something. I don't know what that is. Um, I think we'll have to wait and see, but maybe they're, maybe, um, Bubba and Hogan, it would make sense. Um, certainly Hogan's going to need an opponent now he's, well, now he's kept the title. Uh, anyway. We move on, and Mike Tonate is backstage with Nobbs, and we go to the Tornado Tag Match, not for the Tag Team Championships, and it's full to count anywhere. Harlem Heat with Sister Sherry versus the Nasty Boys. Sherry walks out with the tag titles alone. She seems to be calling out the heat up the ramp, but nobody comes out. Out come the Nasty Boys. Sags is carrying a trash can, and Nobbs swings at Sherry. Sherry motions up the ramp, and the Nasty Boys look up the ramp, then the Heat come out from behind and attack them. Heenan claims, it's uncensored. We start with all four men brawling. The Heat do a double spike pile driver to Nobbs. Sags drives Booger T into the guardrail, then body slams him on the outside. Sherry gets on the apron, so the Nasties throw her into the ring, rip off her jacket, and then give her a pit stop, which apparently is the move where they rub her face into Nobbs' armpit, which I thought was quite funny. Uh, move up the R weight, Nobbs takes her up and nails Booker T with a garbage bin. We then make her away to a very, very cordoned off gimmicks concessioned area. Ray rubs candy falls into Sags' face. The area, the area then becomes very slippery with all the liquid on it. Uh, Nobbs coats both members of the heat in mustard. They're just rolling around at this point. The floor is like an ice rink, pretty much. Uh, Sags headbutts Ray in the groin. In the background, Nobbs hits a body slam and gets a three count, uh, three count. Sags then sends Sherry flying on the slippy surface and she hit that hard at the end of the match. Mm. Um, Wayne, what do you think of this? Well, just like the King of the Road match, it was it was an absolute mess. But this one, I uh, I actually enjoyed, um, just for the sheer fact of how ridiculous it was when there was a, that uh, um, that believable concession stand. Um, drinks and wrestling don't mix. That's that's a given. And um, gotta love Sherry. I mean, she takes more bumps than your than your main event champion. Well, yeah, well that is Hogan. But yeah, I know what you mean. Takes a lot of bumps. Yeah. Um, I, I can't believe you enjoyed this, Wayne. I mean, I, I, I was kind of cringing at how bad it was and kind of just how embarrassed. Cause before the match in, in the Nobs promo, I, I probably should have mentioned it in my review thinking about it now. Nobs talked about, and he'd have mentioned it like in the build up as well, about how, you know, we could go anywhere in the arena. We've got cameras all over the place. If they're going to go outside the arena, we can follow them outside. We get the match and they go down the aisleway to the left. We get this concession area. There is nobody around. You, you, you could have figured that at least with a gimmick concession area put some plants in the way like calling off the general public if you want to do that i kind of understand that put some plants in and then have the plant scarper when things get a bit heated but they get there the place is completely empty nothing has been sold they start attacking each other with the stuff on the concession stand it's on a wooden floor which gets coated in liquid uh, this one i'd like to you'd have to watch it to fully grasp it but they couldn't get any grip at all i think ice rink is probably a very good um, explanation for it. Stuart, what do you think? I will agree with Wayne and thought this had 
absolutely fantastic comedy value. I thought, yeah, I thought, yeah, comedy I'll give you, but I was more kind of really more, more because like we know the nasty boys have got so much more than this on a show called Uncensored, and this was what we got. I was more disappointed, but I agree it was quite funny, if a little dangerous. I mean, to put it in context with all the other... uh, Sorry for cutting off show. To put it in context with all the other uh, matches, um, the the, the fact that, uh, you know, when something is that bad, it eventually turns into something that's, you know, that is pretty good. And the fact that you're watching everyone fall over and try and balance, and you've got Sherry who's in heels, you know, I thought it uh, it was brilliant just for that reason. Was I the only one who missed the finish live? No, it, it didn't show the finish. It, 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 they only showed the finish on replay. I, I think it did happen in the background, but the, the, the camera wasn't focused on it. Um, no, absolutely I, not. I, I think. But, yeah, this, this was... For me, this was the low point on the show by an absolute mile. Um, not to say that the, the, the mixed martial arts match was bad. Sorry, martial arts match. Mixed martial arts is something very different. The martial arts match was wasn't bad it certainly was but this was just embarrassing in the sense that it was more kind of an indictment of wcw as a company and there were others on this show as well one two guys getting fired for blading on a pre-tape uh two hulk hogan hitting vader with a chair and then having to pan to a wide angle in the main event um because they don't want to show it on a show called uncensored i mean I, I don't know. It's not uncensored. It should have been Eden's line. But this was just horrible. Um, just in terms of, like, nothing happened. And it was more of an indictment how bad it was. But I will agree, if you look at it, because, I mean, I, I was quite worried that Sherry got hurt because she, she slapped that, that ground hard. Because, like, Sags just grabbed her and just threw her, like, across the, what well, ice rink, you want to call that. And she lost her footing, like, the minute she planted her foot and then just went boom like that. And I thought, well, that could have been anything. Um, but thankfully, it seems she's okay. But yeah, just just not great. Um, but we move on. Thanks very much, Tony Schiavone. And joining me at this time, the 450-pound... Shut up, punk! Hogan! The time is before you! The demon stands before you! The fear is here! The fear is there! Hogan! There's no place else to run! There's nowhere else to hide! It is time to get it on! You must now pay for your stupidity! It is uncensored, unsanctioned, and Mr. Flair is in my corner! Between the two of us, there's an unprecedented 23 world title! Hogan, get ready to get it on! Get ready to play the pain game! It's over! The talk is over! Hulkamania is over! And it's Vader time! I think it goes like this! You don't like it? Do something about it! You see this? Not just another pretty face, but the face of a man possessed! Possessed with you, Hogan! My whole career! They said Hulk Hogan's bigger! They said he's better! They said you can't beat him! Get out of here, Kennedy! They said you can't beat him! And I said, bring him on, let me touch him! Then, Hogan, you take me out of my element! You take me out of my life! You retire me! Am I gonna walk off into the sunset? Say goodbye forever? No! I become the master plan. I become the man 
possessed with taking you out of this sport forever. Okay. So what do I do? I get the biggest. Okay. After people from Raw 5, the whole world saw who the man is, and you're looking at him, and after tonight, brother, they will know who the uncrowned heavyweight champion of the world is. Vader time, flat time, uncensored, unsanctioned. Tune in, brother, because it's live and in color. Hogan, we're coming your way. tonight is with Vader. Vader rips the mic from him. Vader is quickly becoming a great promo. That's what I put. Anyway, I guess Stuart, you disagree with that earlier, but I, but Stuart, I thought he was very good here. He, he's good in short bursts, but I just don't think the character works delivering longer promos. Yeah, well, well, I would say more he can deliver long promos, but he shouldn't, would be how I would phrase that. Yeah, I'd go with that then, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and Flair joins him and he's still wearing eyeliner from earlier. Flair says he's possessed with Hogan. Flair asks whether Hogan expects him to walk off into the sunset. Flair says he's going to take Hogan out. And we get to the main event for the WCW World Heavyweight title. Vader with Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan. Flair is still at ringside. Vader shuts down the referee and Hogan is very much in a handicapped situation. And then the ultimate warrior comes out. It, 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 well, it said it's not him, but the music was Bloody close. Uh, it's the Renegade. And so, like, not many people popped, but a few people definitely reacted like this was the Ultimate Warrior. Like, there was a guy, like, near the camera side who went berserk. Um, he was uh, alone. Gosh, I will say, I will say the crowd thought this was the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Not just one bloke, the crowd thought it was the Ultimate Warrior. Well, if, if they did, wouldn't they have popped more? I mean, cause, cause in my notes, I thought it was a big pop, but when I watched it back, it wasn't that big. No, I thought it was a pretty big pop, and and the, like you say, the music was similar enough. The physique at a distance of the Renegade is similar enough. The hair is similar enough that when he legs it down to the ring, uh, if you're in the crowd and you couldn't quite see, you'd probably be pretty sold that that was the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I guess they mitigated it into a point by having Hogan unveil that it wasn't the Warrior at the start of the show. I guess there was that. We were expecting Hogan to unveil someone. It wasn't the Ultimate Warrior. He went as far as to say that in the in the uh, in main event. So I guess there's that. Um, but anyway, the Renegade comes out with a knockoff Ultimate Warrior music with a red and yellow R on his face. Apparently, they did debate having him go the full hog with the, the Warrior face paint, but decided against it. Uh, and they were apparently also debating calling him the Ultimate Renegade, and then decided against that. I think in both cases they were they were right. They were right. Uh, we'll, we'll come to that in a bit. Uh, Flair goes to strike him in the RA, but Renegade fights him off. Hogan is working Vader up against the ring apron. Renegade is still scaring Flair at ringside, and Hogan is tearing into Vader in the ring, whipping him with the strap. Flair gets in the ring, but he gets strapped by Hogan. Flair and Renegade go chest to chest. Renegade is no-selling everything. Vader and Hogan get into a tug of war with the strap. Vader uses it to his advantage. Vader lands a Vader bomb. Vader then removes the strap from Hogan's wrist and whips him with it across the back. Outruns Jimmy Hart. His shirt is ripped. His tie is kind of clung round his neck. The story they told the scene is that Hart was disappeared earlier after being attacked. We make our way out to the R-way. Vader grabs a chair, but the camera pans away. Hart distracts him. Hogan grabs the chair and strikes Vader lightly two or three times. Takes the run up. The camera pans to a wide shot, and Hogan nails him with a chair. Hogan reattaches the strap and uses it to pull Vader into the ring post. Hogan hits another chair shot, and once again they go to the wide angle. Flair and Renegade square off in the ring. Flair bounces off him, then just runs off. The contest point out there has been no attempt to win the match by either man so far. Hogan gets the strap between Vader's legs and uses it to flip Vader over. 
Hogan body slams Vader on the outside. Flair climbs to the top turnbuckle. Renegade climbs to the opposite turnbuckle. Vader goes to slug Renegade, who no-sells it. Back in the ring, Vader chokeslams Hogan, then hits a splash. Vader hits a suplex, but Hogan springs back up. Hogan hits an incredibly soft big boot. They get really weak these days. Then a leg drop before finally starting uh, towards all four corners. Then a masked man runs out, levels Renegade with a wooden chair. Flair levels Hogan with the chair. Flair levels Renegade for good measure. Vader gets the three corners, but Flair convinces him to splash Hogan onto the chair. Vader amazingly goes for a second rope sent on. Hogan moves and Vader lands hard on the chair. Flair drags Vader out of the ring, grabs another chair and hits Hogan over the back. Hogan no-sells it, hulks up, then starts unloading on Flair. Hogan then attaches the strap to Flair, drags him around all four corners, and apparently wins the match. Heenan quite rightly calls it the hypocrisy of all of this. Apparently the match is over. Renegade grabs a chair and goes to run off the pair, but the masked man comes out with a chair. Then we cut to the apron, and Iron Anderson comes out dressed in black and tied up. He obviously was another masked man. We cut back to the ring, and Randy Savage is the masked man, and he runs off the heels. Um... Stuart, quickly, um, if if Randy Savage tied up Arn Anderson, why was Arn Anderson still in the, the masked man gear? Because then it implied that Randy Savage had his own version. Yeah, presumably he just owns his own set of masked man gear. Right, but that makes on, sense. On, on everything that's happened in this show, let, let's just go with it. Well, all right, all right, fair enough. Either it's either it's a really simple oversight or it's leading to something big. I'm inclined to think it's the former. Uh, Stuart, what do you think of this match? What a mess. Yeah, that was exactly what I thought. Yeah. Uh, right down to the, how on earth does Hogan win the match by beat? I mean, I mean, it's almost a joke at this point, isn't it? The amount of times Hogan's beaten Flair over the last year, he's now beating Flair in matches that Flair isn't even in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But no, I I agree. The the what a mess line was exactly my summary of this match. Wait. uh, uh, And. Go go away. Yeah, sorry. Um, with, without the commotion, I, I think this match would have um, would have been a lot better than, uh, than than what it was. There was just far too much going on. All the all the focus was on Renegade and, and Fleur on the outside, rather than what was happening on the inside. But is it me, or is is this pay per view uh, Hogan's perfect pay per view? He gets to do all of his uh, heel uh, heel moves, and, uh, and and no one will blink an eye. Not that anyone does anyway, but everything would uh, would would have fitted with it. Well, I don't think he scratched anyone's back, which is a, it seems to be a troop of Hogan's matches in WCW. No, but he loves uh, a good strangle. That's true. That's true. He did use the chair, but in, in Hogan's defence, Vader had used that chair already. And I, I think once a once a heel uses a weapon, I think the babyface's you know, wrestling says that the babyface then is entitled to, and plus it's uncensored, um, uh, and all of that. But I, I, I agree with you, Wade, in the sense that the strap match part of this match. I thought it was quite good. The problem was that it made up about 30% of the overall action, which was the biggest problem. I thought the actual Hogan and Vader stuff with the strap, the bit where Hogan had Vader's like strap tangled between his legs and he pulled on it and Vader then did a front flip was quite good. All that interaction was good, Wayne, but it, there was just too much else going on. Far too much else going on. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'm just going to go back to the line of what a complete mess if you take away all the distractions, Hogan and Vader would probably be quite capable of having a pretty decent strap match. But, yeah, just what were they thinking? Stuart, this post-match stuff, I mean, forgetting the thing with that, was it 
was it well executed with the kind of the the, the, the double fake with the mouse man and, and Savage comes out? I thought that was quite clever, even if there was the little oversight. I thought they did that pretty well. Again, it, it just looks weird, like Arn Anderson hopping out tied up. It's all a bit wrong. Yeah. Rick, Rick Flair in drag, Arn Anderson in some sort of bondage suit tied up. It's what 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 are WCW trying to imply? Well, it is uncensored. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, w- what a mess is a perfect way to describe this match. It could have been so much more, although admittedly, you know, cause the story behind all this, and we'll, we'll get to it in a bit, but the story behind all this was that basically, once Flair worked out that neither man was gonna lose, he had to come up with a finish. And despite what we saw earlier with the Savage match, apparently they didn't want to do a double DQ, despite the fact you could have ended this match, I suppose, in any number of ways that could have ended in a no result. Um, but yes, we did legitimately end up with a match between Vader and Hulk Hogan ending when Hulk Hogan dragged Ric Flair around all four corners. Um, I, I've no idea. Um, Stuart, your overall thoughts on the show and a score rating? It, this was a bad show. There were elements of it that had comedy value, but then there were elements of it that was too annoying to be enjoyable. If we're giving a score out of ten... It's it's a two or a one. Wayne. Totally, yeah, ag- agreed. Um, two, being kind, giving it a three. I mean, at least half of the guys on this show need to uh, need to go, basically. I've just seen far too much of them now. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Well, at least we, we didn't get Kevin Sullivan on the show, so that, that that's a positive. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'd be inclined to agree with that. Um, I, I gave it a three. Um, I didn't hate, or as I say, that in, in terms of WCW shows that I've ever covered, this was in the bottom quarter in terms of in-ring action. And that, I suppose, in some ways is saying how bad some of the WCW stuff has been for in-ring action, given that it is only in the bottom quarter and it is not the worst. I, I, Stuart, you, you've seen um, uh, Battle Ball, haven't you? I made you watch I, that. I have indeed. You did... Uh... Is recommend the right term? Um, whatever the opposite of recommend is, <laughs> like just just punish you, punishment. Yeah, it, just endless tag matches where every story is the same, and I think by the end you do just want to hang yourself. Yeah, uh, that was how bad that was. This was better than that, and I will say this: I say bottom quarter in terms of the quality of the shows, but top third in terms of how watchable the show was. In that, a lot of it was pretty awful but it, it, it went the time went by pretty quickly I, w- I was never bored um you know the king of the road match wasn't very good but you know there was enough notoriety behind it to keep me interested um the martial arts match duggan was funny the five minutes it lasted was five minutes too long but but whatever i did enjoy the boxer versus wrestler match the actual wrestling in the middle wasn't that bad given the guys involved the tag match was embarrassing and the main event was a mess but but again it like in terms of as a recommendation for this show if you want to watch wrestling go as far away from this show as you can but if you want to be like if you want to watch a show i won't say to be entertained but just as as something different i would probably recommend this show on that basis if you've recently had oh go on Stuart. if you've recently had a lobotomy i'd definitely recommend it well well yeah wayne no, I was just going to say, I mean, what other show can you see? Uh, Fleur in drag, Arn Anderson in bondage gear, and don't forget a half-naked Jimmy Hart. Yeah. Oh, a, yeah fake, a fake yeah. Ultimate Warrior, uh, a match on the back of a truck. This this show had everything. 
Jim it does Duggan... feel like the sort of thing you will tell people to seek out just to show how bizarre WCW is. Yeah, yeah. But, but put it, I probably watch this show more than I will watch Super Brawl just because. Well, I suppose that's probably serious. That's probably harsh on Super Brawl. But but other shows back third of last year when WCW pay per views are getting really bad, um, I, I would probably recommend this above some of those just because it uh, at least it's like it's car crash watchable in that sense. I think that's the way of summing it up. As promised, Commissioner Nick Bockwinkel visited this week by Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man Randy Savage, and he said, you need to see what happened. Our cameras were there, and here's exactly what happened. Wrestling fans, we told you at the top of the program today that WCW heavyweight champion Hulk Hogan and Randy Macho Man Savage came to me with a request that was so startling that I felt that you, the fans, should share and see it. And at this time, in my office, I have with me Randy Macho Man Savage, right. world champion, Hulk Hogan. You know, after the last 20 minutes, Bachman, we've got to say that the Macho Man and Hulk Hogan don't have a request. We've got a pretty strong case. You know, the Hulkamaniacs are demanding this thing, brother. Ric Flair was in my face in Baltimore, man. He put Dave Sullivan in the hospital. It all, of course, is uncensored. We knew he'd be hovering around the ring, man. But he's completely out of line, isn't he, Macho Man? Let's face it, Commissioner Nick Bachman. Lost control of the situation. You're powerless at this point, and things are out of control already. So why don't we go to complete mental insanity, get him reinstated, and that's the only way you'll ever gain power again. He dressed in drag. What else will he do? Well, you know, he's totally out of control, brother. And now that we know that he's been barred from the buildings, that he can't come to any WCW matches, that's a bunch of bull, brother. We want Ric Flair back in the ring. Yes, it's a demand from Macho Man and the Hulkamaniacs. That's the only way we can get our hands on him. So now that you told us that you can't do anything about it, now that you've got to go to the executive committee, brother, case in point, the facts are this. He was in our face in Baltimore. Sullivan went to the hospital. Uncensored, he was out of control, and it's going to go on and on and on. We want him in the ring, brother. Me, Jimmy Hart's a man, me, 24 me, hours a day. Get it done to him, Hart. Get it let done. Let me promise you this, that there will be a vote next week by the executive board and according to that vote is the way we will go. I will take your request. They will hear it. They will feel it. They will see it. Saturday 25th of March brings us to the first WCW Saturday night after WCW Uncensored. Word is that Dave Sullivan was injured following the beatdown last week. Nick Bockwinkle says he's met with Hogan and Savage and that it was astounding. On Vader, Bockwinkle says the fines don't seem to be working for him, so he's being stripped of the United States heavyweight title. On the hotline, peddled by Tony Schiavone in Mean Gene Oakland's absence, he says that there are rumours that three very prominent wrestling superstars are WCW bound. Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan are in Nick Bockwinkle's office. The complaint is about Ric Flair. Savage says the situation is out of control and calls for Flair's reinstatement. Hogan wants Ric Flair back in the ring. Bockwinkle says there will be a vote next week by the WCW executive board. Colonel Robert Parker, after a squash match, says he's standing next to the next world heavyweight champion, Meng. We cut to London and Lord Stephen Regal is with beautiful Bobby Eaton. They're going for dinner. A waiter asks if Regal wants Eaton removed. Regal declines. Regal is appalled by Eaton's lack of class and decorum. Steve Austin cuts a promo, says many in WCW thought they'd never see him again. 
He describes himself as the number one piece of wrestling talent in the world. He is targeting the vacant US title en route to the world title. The breakup of the three faces of fear continued on WCW Pro after the trio lost to Stars and Stripes and Jim Duggan. It very much seemed to be Butcher breaking away from the other two, but Sullivan and Butcher did win a squash tag match on Saturday night. In a post-match promo, Butcher says everything is fine between the pair. In the main event, Randy Savage faced Avalanche in a rematch from WCW Uncensored. Shivani on commentary says that there are rumours that Ric Flair will purchase TV time to appear next week. Sullivan and Butcher run out, but Savage and the referee manage to fight them off. Savage drops the elbow and wins the match. The three faces of fear go to attack Savage, but Sting runs them off. On main event on March 26, Regal and Eaton visit a clothing store. Regal looks increasingly irritated by Eaton's fashion choices before getting him tailored in a smart suit and slicking back his hair. In the main event of Main Event, Sting defeated the Butcher after Sullivan messed up an interference, elbow dropping Butcher by mistake. Sullivan looked despondent at Butcher, continuing the slow burn breakup of the three faces of fear. Dustin Rhodes, the blacktop bully, and road agent Mike Graham were fired by WCW in the aftermath of the King of the Road match at WCW Uncensored. The reason cited was that Rhodes and Bully both knowingly broke WCW company policy regarding blading in the match and that Graham was in charge and let it happen. It's even said that Graham may have brought the blades himself to help. The story is odd for a number of reasons. Firstly, the match itself didn't air live. It was taped a number of days before on the outskirts of Mississippi. The full match lasted 20 minutes and the few people involved in it, which included people in the truck itself, a chase car and a helicopter, all said that the 20 minute match was excellent. But due to WCW policy, Despite the show being called uncensored, the match was edited down to about 13 minutes in length and any obvious close-ups of either men after they had cut themselves were removed. The match, if it ever had a chance, was ruined. Quite why the trio would be fired as a result is a mystery. A couple of weeks prior, Hulk Hogan bled during a Chicago main event against Vader. With the match pre-taped days before, the possibility of even re-taping it was considered, but the company decided the cost of the helicopter was likely prohibitive. The real answer likely lies in WCW cutbacks. Higher-ups had ordered Eric Bischoff to cut half a million dollars from WCW's yearly budget. Paul Roma, having been fired following the Alex Wright match at Super Brawl, seems to have started this process, and cutting Harley Race who was recovering from a car accident at the time, helped things. But it is speculated that losing the budget for Bully, Rhodes and Graham would get WCW near or over the half a million mark required. Thank you to Colin for that and to Del for stepping into Stuart's shoes on the on the pre-tape front. Um, we will start with well the, the the bit we've just listened to about the, uh, the the blacktop bully Dustin Rhodes and Mike Graham being fired. Um, Stuart, as we covered in the pre-tape, um, there there may very well be 
financial reasons why all this is perhaps we could file under convenience rather than anything else. But on the surface, it is quite hard to work out why two guys were fired for breaking policy on blading after a road agent came along, gave them blades on a pre-tape match that didn't have to air live, on a show called Uncensored, two weeks after Hulk Hogan and bladed against Vader. It doesn't really make sense. Oh, no, absolutely not. It's especially from the point of view of if, if I'm at work and I have somebody in a position of authority above me tell me to perform a particular task in a particular way. I was going to and... say like somebody above you telling you to cut your forehead. I was That might be a bit different. Uh, OK, but that, that that's in context of the job they do, though, isn't right, it? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's not particularly uncommon, uh, admittedly, in recent years. And like you say, Hogan had done it on television not not a month prior. What, so... Was it on TV? It was a live event. I, I, I should, oh, sorry. I should, should point that out. But yes, carry on. But it, yeah, it, it, if someone who's essentially my line manager would tell me to perform a particular task in a certain way and I go ahead and do that, well, I would not expect it to be fired for that. No. No, you, you certainly wouldn't, and particularly given that, one, they, you know, because th- their rationale for not retaping the match was, we can't afford the helicopter. But watching it back, I kind of thought, well, you can't see their bleeding from the helicopter shots. Just edit in the wide angles, and if you really want to retape it, go and retape it. But to fire guys for a pre-tape, given that, I don't know, maybe the match was great, but it's not like, I don't think anyone was expecting this to be a five-star classic. It was the opener on a show. It wasn't like it was the main event or anything like that. And and Wayne, as Stuart says, they were following instructions. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just a cheap excuse to fire them. Um, you know, like you said, with Hogan a couple of weeks ago, um, one rule for one and, and another for another. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, if it's uh, on a on a live show, then then understandable. But this was a pre-taped, um, I'd like to call it match, but you know, they're in back of a truck. So uh, I, I just they edited it. You couldn't really tell that they that they bladed. Um, I, I just, yeah, I think it's just very very cheap to just fire on like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, as we said, I, I think the true li- answer lies in the fact that, uh, as we, well, we're about to cover, and obviously covered in the news, um, the company need to find the hole in their budget because, well, Hogan's burning a hole in their back pocket, uh, and they need to find half a million dollars. Paul Romer got himself fired last month, which, as we discussed last month, I don't think was under the, that all that silly, given that Roman went into business for himself. Um, but yeah. Like the, it, the the true answer probably lies in the, the budget cutting thing. Uh, I think if Dustin Rose is considering legal action, he's probably got quite a good case. Um, if that's the case, um, and yeah, just just all a bit unsavoury and a shame because one like well, well a, a bigger shame because I was going to say about bully and and I know I, I quite like the bully debut, but I don't think it's particularly worked um, since then. But a shame, Stuart, in the sense that Dustin Rhodes was a guy who I think give it a year, given that his dad is pretty well off, WCW-wise, I think Dustin would have been up and near the, the, the main roster, uh, the main event, rather. Oh, absolutely. Dustin, over the past three or four years, has been someone who has shown visible signs of progress towards contributing at a main event level. And like you say, he's certainly got the pedigree and he's certainly got the political power. So for him to get fired over something like this, surely it just seems something like worthy of, if you want to do it, slap on the wrist. Don't do that again. Okay, I won't. 
Yeah, and a pre-tape as well. That's what makes no sense. If it's live, I guess it is different because it's saying, well, you, you ruin our shot. But equally, like, like again, it, the, the idea that they couldn't have re- uh, pre-tape, retaped it on the basis of the helicopter, I think, was bizarre. Um, I guess there's other things when they, they got they got a police escort through this match. So I guess there are other things involved, and you've got to get the truck back and all that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, just all very bizarre and and. You know, they were talking of Dustin being in the Four Horsemen or a new Four Horsemen with Austin. Um, that could have been good. Uh, we're not going to see that again. Um, and apparently he is already looking at WWF, so we'll, we'll see how that develops. Um, apparently Dusty was thinking of um, quitting, but has since been talked round. Um, so there's that. Um, but yeah, Dustin is gone, um, and he may very well appear in the WWF in the next few months. I think it's a blessing in disguise for him, Bob. Um, is it? What? what in the? What, uh, uh, given the in the WCW, given where his dad is, wouldn't it, wouldn't he have got near the top? Well, who's got more power, Dusty or Hogan? But Dusty's got some power. I mean, yeah. like, like who, he might not be. I mean, I, mean, I don't think fact, Dustin Rose is going to walk into the WWF and become their champion. No, I think. No, I if anything, they might hire him and then think. Well, he's Dustin's kid or Dusty's kid. Let's take the piss out of him a bit, like the thing with the, the what they did with Dusty with the the American Dream thing and the, and the dancing thing and all that kind of stuff. I, I if, think if I'm getting my history right, I, I think he's definitely someone that they could bring in. I mean, especially given the level of talent on the WWF roster right now, he is something you could. Sorry, he is someone you can see slotting in as a mid card babyface champion in that sort of Razor Ramon type slot. Yeah. yeah. I, I think he's fact, a guy people want to cheer as well. well yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I think the fact that Hogan's friends are getting more of a push is, uh, is you know, says a lot about that company. And like you said, the, the way that WWF is, uh, you know, bringing in or, or building up young stars. And, um, you know, he could, he could go in there and obviously, as Stuart said, it, it, it fit that babyface uh, mid-card role perfectly and had the potential to build up from there as as long as they don't dress him up in polka dots, you know. That's, uh, oh, that's... God, that's no. Oof, yeah, no, I know what you mean. I, that, I mean, that... could, could, could you see a, a Dustin Rhodes Shawn Michaels match? I could see as being absolutely fantastic. If they gave it the chance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, right, Wayne, I, I disagree with the idea that he was in a bad spot in WCW. He might not have got to number one, but I think given who his dad was, he'd have got pretty close. Um, but equally, yes, there is certainly more movement for uh, more room for upward momentum in, in, in the WWF. I wouldn't disagree with that. Johnny and Steve back on Saturday night and looking awesome. And, of course, we heard at the top of the program, Vader stripped of the U.S. heavyweight title. I want to talk to you about that. But last Sunday on the main event, we saw Colonel Rob Parker come out and watch you wrestle. What's to that? Before I get on to Colonel Parker, you say I come out here and I'm looking awesome. I've always looked awesome. But I can see the look in your eyes and you try to buddy-buddy up to me. You act like you're happy to see me. I know you're not. And I know a lot of faces in World Championship Wrestling never thought they'd see me again. Colonel Parker being out here, maybe he wanted to see the next United States champion. The title I never lost to begin with. Hey, man, I've been gone for four months. Four months ago when I left, I was the number one piece of wrestling talent in the whole world. It's today, and I'm still the number one piece of wrestling talent in the world. You don't have to sit there and watch me ramble about it. All you got to do is watch your TV. 
I'll prove it each and every time I go out. The U.S. title, another step as I climb that mountain to the World Heavyweight Championship where the gold sits on top of the mountain. When I get to the top of the mountain, whether it's Hulk Hogan, whether it's Ric Flair, whether it's Sting or the Macho Man, The feud between Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan may be simmering on screen, but this one saw it go into overdrive as the pair clashed off-screen with power struggles within the company intensifying. Currently, and at the time of recording, this is still correct, Flair remains head booker, but his power in that role is diminishing as WCW continues to secede to the whimsy of Hulk Hogan. Hogan, ever since he joined the company, has had the power over his own storylines, and while that doesn't officially stretch any further, the company has been listed in a Hogan-led direction ever since the acquisition of many of Hogan's friends from 1980s WWF, The Butcher, Jim Duggan, Randy Savage and others. This has come to a head this month, with reports from within the company of a shouting match between Flair and Hogan. Flair's hands seem to be tied with the overall direction of the top storylines, with no control over Hogan's storyline or indeed his schedule, best illustrated by frustration backstage as Hogan didn't appear at the TV times in the two weeks prior to Uncensored. Flair's frustrations continued as it turns out Randy Savage too would like similar levels to control over his storylines as Hogan gets, but the problems are probably best illustrated in this fight with the occasions that the entire booking committee are flown to Florida so that Hogan and Jimmy Hart, a man whose own power is increasing, don't have to fly to Atlanta. The entire situation is likely what led to the end of the main event at Uncensored. Once Vader realised that Hogan wasn't going to do the job for him, Vader himself refused to play ball. For once a screwy or a DQ finish known to WCW seemed impossible due to the stipulation of the pay-per-view, and that's how we ended up getting a strap match that ended with Hogan dragging Flair around the ring. Art imitating life, it would seem. The entire story unfolds under a backdrop of change within WCW. Harvey Schiller has replaced Bill Shaw as the head of the company. Schiller comes with a background in sports and is the current head of TBS Sports, which WCW now comes under within TBS as a company. It's said that Eric Bischoff will still be in charge of the company's decisions, or at least most of them, although Hogan's power base seems even stronger. And if that's not enough, it's also said that Schiller wants to make WCW a more kid-friendly product, with an even greater focus on Hogan. And we move on now to talk, as we've just heard, about the uh, politics, Stuart. Lots and lots of Hogan and Flair-related politics. What do you think of all this? I think WCW could have seen this coming a mile off, really, couldn't they? It's any time you give power to a performer that gives him greater power than the person he works for, it's going to cause trouble, isn't it? Yeah. Wayne? I'm just surprised it took as long as it uh, as it did. Um, you know, if it wasn't already the Hogan show, you know, it, it soon will be. Um you just can't give that amount of power to, um, to to someone who's at the at the top, which he is. He's you know he's he's, he's the main event um, champion, um, and obviously totally different from when he was in WWF because he had to answer to somebody um, who was calling the shots. Being uh, um, and and obviously here he's. he's well, I wouldn't say it was totally different to the WWF. I mean, you guys will be able to speak to this better than I will. But I mean, there's the thing about him on the way out that you know the. The title went to Yokozuna because Hogan didn't want a job for Bret Hart. 
Yeah, Stuart. well, oh. sorry, no, go on. I just, well, can, can someone clarify that for me? Was that, Stuart, was that how it went down? As far as I'm aware, that's the story that, that Hogan didn't want to put Bret Hart over and therefore he, he was more willing to put that monster type character over. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, it is difficult in the sense that things would be far better with WCW without Hogan, but things would also probably be far smaller. Um, and, and that it is the issue when you bring in a guy and give him this much power. But I almost wonder whether, yeah, I mean, you look at what's happened with WCW in the last 12 months and the guys they bought in. It has become a very Hogan centric country, a uh, company, not just for the guys they bought in in ring with the likes of Duggan, uh, Avalanche, Butcher, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Savage to a point, although you could justify Savage without that. Um, but also just, you know, guys like Heenan, Oakland, Jimmy Hart, all of that. They bought all these guys in, but equally they are, there are more eyeballs on the product now Hogan's in there than he's not. But this is the downside and all this stuff with, you know, them fly almost hilariously, them flying kind of the committee to to Florida because they didn't want to fly Hogan and uh, Jimmy Hart, another guy who's increasing in power in the company to Atlanta um, is quite funny as well. Um, But Stuart, it is quite scary when I hear stories of uh, there being a change in power at TBS in terms of the guy overseeing WCW and the new guy wants to put even more emphasis on Hogan. I don't know how you'd do that. That that was exactly about to be my question. How do you, short of paying Hogan to wrestle in every match and cut every interview, make the ho- make the promotion more centred around him? How how do you do that? WCW Hulk Hogan Saturday Night. I, I, I guess, or you know, you rename a pay per view Hulkamania or something like that. We're giving them ideas now. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but no, I I know what you mean. There's no, that's the thing. Like with, with all the Hogan stuff, like I've never really had a the, the, the problem I've had with the Hogan stuff is what comes with it. The, the whole thing of Hogan kind of having control of his own storylines to a point, I think you can kind of justify in that this is the price of having Hogan in power or having oh, Hogan at the top. But equally, Hogan's worth it. My problem with the Hogan stuff has been all the other things that have come as a result that I don't necessarily... I don't get the sense that Hulk Hogan was was signing a contract with WCW and went, look, I'm not going to sign if you don't bring in Avalanche. I don't think that was a problem. But equally, I think it was, more, well, you know, Hogan's talking to... Hogan's getting influence and it's like we need some new workers Hogan's like well I know this guy called Earthquake or John Tenter he's quite good and they're like well you know Hogan's the guy Hogan's the guy if it's a recommendation for him we're going to take it um and also the fact that they do seem to um, this will segue quite nicely into point number three of this discussion they do seem to be very quickly turning into 1980s WWF way because they've just debuted a fake Ultimate Warrior Yep. <laughs> ultimate surprise. More like ultimate rip-off. Um, I mean, what what are they thinking about altogether? I mean, you've got guys who are uh, having this, exactly the same gimmick or, or near enough alike because what they had in uh, in the competition. And uh, and now you're just bringing in another guy in who's, um, who, like you said, is just an absolute rip-off of, a, of an ultimate warrior gimmick. Is I don't know. I mean, you, you might know more than uh, the, than me. But as they was building, you know, Ultimate Surprise and mentioning everything about uh, Ultimate this and Ultimate that, was Ultimate Warrior meant to be coming in and, and he changed his mind at the last minute and then there was rush with this? I, I'm, I'm not quite. It, sure. it never, it never got that close. No, it never. They, you know, the, the name Ultimate Warrior has been name dropped by I think name dropped by me and Gene Oakland previously regarding hotlines and things like that. Although as we covered last month, you know. 
means you know couldn't couldn't really give a shit about whether anything he says on the hotline has any legitimacy or not. Um, but the name Alter Warrior has been name dropped, and there have been stories in the in the talks from the Observer that Warrior is around. That's what I'm hearing. He's around. He is talking with people, but I don't get the sense he's that close to an in-ring return. Um, but no, in this case, it wasn't a crap, the deal's fallen through, we promised them the Ultimate Warrior, because they, they, it, it, I think if they had the Ultimate Warrior, they would have said so. Um, so I think it was more, this was the plan, we can't get Warrior, or perhaps to a point they can't afford him, that might have been it as well. Um, we will bring in a guy who is quite a bit of a rip-off of him, which didn't really work. Um, go on, Wayne. I was going to say, despite him being an absolute carbon copy of Warrior, I mean, I will give him one thing, and that is that he is actually a lot more agile than the uh, than the actual Ultimate Warrior. Yes. And then, Stuart, we've got the next thing, which is this guy they've signed called Paul White, who apparently is seven foot two. Apparently he can do a drop kick, which would put avalanches to shame, I would guess. And I cannot wait for when he comes in as Andre the Giant Jr., which is probably what they're going to call him. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Uh, yeah, uh, it, 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 if they're bringing in a fake Ultimate Warrior, then, yeah, the, where do you stop? Fake Andre the Giants, fake one-man gangs, fake King Kong Bundies. Well, I mean, you, you could start going to the point where you can just find the real ones. I mean, Sergeant Slaughter's still around. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, like, you can keep going to a point. I just wonder whether... Well, I wonder whether... I think I know this is a bad idea, because Savage... Like, I don't know, the, the knock-off things doesn't make sense. I can understand bringing Hogan and Savage... I can't really, because nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna watch that and go, oh look, it's the Armour Warrior. They're not gonna do that. So what's the point? Because and, and it, and even if, even if they try to suspend their disbelief, it's not the Ultimate Warrior. It's that kind of character is not gonna work as someone else. Part of the reason the Ultimate Warrior was so great was because it was Jim Helwig. It wasn't because it was a guy dressed in a costume who was jacked up to the gills. It helped. Um, but it worked because it was him and he was the only guy to have done it. And, and now it's not. Um, but yeah, that will end our discussion for this month. Uh, I would firstly like to thank Wayne Lithgow. Thank you. Uh, Wayne, you're on Twitter. Yep. Um, Wayne L84. That one. And Stuart Brooks. You're welcome. Always a pleasure, Bob. Uh, Stuart, you've got your, your own podcast and your own gig reviewing, uh, WWF. You're, Mid-96 now? Yeah, we're about pretty much bang on a year ahead of you. Just this morning we recorded we recorded Beware of Dog, which is May 1996. And people can find that podcast. Well, tell us a bit more about it and where they can find it and all that stuff. Uh, like you say, it's just reviewing the WWF pay-per-views from the mid-90s. We have touched on WCW as well, which seems to be surprisingly popular considering the quality of some of the shows. Uh, we're on iTunes, as I'm sure everyone generally is. We're also on SoundCloud as well, and Facebook and Twitter. The Twitter is at NewGenPodcast. And Facebook? Facebook.com slash NewGenerationProjectPodcast. Slightly more complicated, that one. Yes, yes. Anyway, that will uh, conclude this month's show. We haven't finished yet. We've got the beginning of part two to record. Uh, but uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bobby Bamber. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Wrestling20YRS. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Wrestling20YRS. Uh, Wrestling20YRS.com. Website, blogs, all that 
Gig. Uh, and uh, what else was there? iTunes, all that stuff, RSS. You can find it all on the website. It's all there. Anyway, I've been Bob Bamba. This has been Volume 1 of the uh, Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast for March of 1995. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>